I'm James Bryan Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You are listening to episode 21. If you've been listening to this podcast already, you know that from time to time I have a guest, and today is one of those episodes. Our guest today is J.R. Briggs. J.R. is the founder and chief question officer of Kairos Partnerships. That's an organization that equips, trains, supports, and encourages pastors, church planners, and Christian leaders. J.R. is an author. He's written some wonderful books. He's also an adjunct instructor at Missio Seminary in Philadelphia, and very important to me, he is a guest instructor at the Apprentice Institute for Christian Spiritual Formation here at Friends University. So he's on our team as well. We have a fantastic conversation. I really, really enjoyed having JR in the booth with me. I think you're going to love the things that he shares today. So JR, this particular podcast is called The Things Above Podcast, and it's about setting your minds on things above, Colossians 3.2. And what we try to do is just, you know, give some thoughts that are definitely from above. They have some spiritual energy. They have, they're true. Uh, they, they come from God. They're often counter to the narratives of this world. But you work a lot with questions and how questions, a good question can, can really cut through things and even change the trajectory of your life. So in this Things Above conversation, I wanna, want our listeners to hear, what was a thought uh, that an idea, a narrative that when you, when, when you grasped it, it changed your life trajectory. Mm, yeah. There were two of them. First of all, the idea of the kingdom, which I know is big with Dallas and with you and right. the Apprentice Institute. I felt really left out by the fact that no one taught me about the kingdom. How could I go? How could I grow up in church and no one ever talked to me about this when Jesus talks about the kingdom all the time? I even got my Bible and Christian ed degree at a Christian college, and that, the idea of the kingdom hardly ever came up. That's stunning. It is stunning. Once you see it, it's like— It's everywhere. It's like the FedEx era. Once you see it, you can't not see it. (laughs) It's like when I saw the kingdom, it was like, I can't not see this now. So that that has unleashed me. And I think, you know, a lot of influence from N.T. Wright where he talks about, you know, there's this embarrassing gap between, like, conversion and death if there's nothing about the kingdom in between. So we're just—I think Dallas has said, if that's God's vision for your life is just that you come to faith, like— well, go now. What are you waiting for? Just go. And that thought has really freed me up that real eternal life can actually start now in the present. It's huge. And uh, so that was a big one. And the second one, which relates that the kingdom is actually, that the king is looking for subjects to join the kingdom now to join with him on his mission. And so we throw the word missional out a lot. But to be mission-oriented is to realize that God invites us to join with him not at our initiative of his, but we participate by his grace being extended to us in all sorts of ways. So then it frees us up to be missionaries cleverly disguised as bread truck drivers and stay-at-home moms and dads and teachers and attorneys and everything in between. And it was that idea of being missionaries cleverly disguised as good neighbors, of joining in with God's mission, that set my whole trajectory of following Jesus into a different different stratosphere. Uh, so give an example of, of how, on a personal level. Yeah, sure. Works. So when I was pastoring the church that I was a part of, um, our, there was a woman there named Jess, and Jess cut hair at a hair salon. And we thought it was important. Um, she was beginning to see her mission field as being the hair salon where she worked. So of just bringing her forward in front of our church, this was really formative for her and for our church, of having her kneel down, and we commissioned her 
to be a missionary to that hair salon. Wow. And just said, we want you to do that. And then others said, will you commission me? Will you commission me to be, you know, part of this school? You know, I'm a teacher, but I'm a missionary cleverly disguised as a teacher in this public middle school. And so that idea of like, if we, if we have a God who's on mission and calls us, we're also being sent somewhere. So he's the sender. So where am I being sent and to whom is my quote unquote mission field? And so that idea is really formative because I then need to be pre- prepared as a missionary to know how to go to my mission field. And that thought has really not only changed me, but others that have joined in with this God who invites us to participate. Wow, that is beautiful. I can do uh, you could You could do that with everybody in your church. Exactly. Because I could, that what, I've got this image in my mind of like all these people, you know, doctors and teachers and accountants and stay-at-home moms, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. coming forward for that. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it reminds me there was a stay-at-home mother um, and she was bitter she loved her children, but she had given up her great career, and now she was a stay-at-home mom. And mm. she struggled with bitterness and then feeling guilty, like, why can't I just enjoy this season of my life? And it, was, it wasn't until she grasped this idea of being a missionary cleverly disguised as a stay-at-home mother that it set her alive. And she began to say, you know what? There are other moms in my neighborhood, too, who are feeling some of this. They're feeling lonely and isolated. I can open up my home. And so they just on Tuesdays, she just started open up her home in the morning, let the kids just play and make noise in the other room. And she would just sit down and listen to, eventually ended up praying with many of these women. And she then began to see herself as the mom missionary of these like three or four block area <laughs> of her neighborhood. And that is the invitation that Jesus invites us into. Yeah. And if everybody caught that vision to be formed into Christ, but also to know we're being sent is a beautiful thing. And right now in North America, it's the time we're trying to re-evangelize a previously evangelized context. And so we've got to think differently about how we engage with a previously evangelized context by thinking like missionaries. Okay, we got to go there. That's, <laughs> first of all, that's, and that's fantastic. That, that story is, ah, uh, that moves me. That's just, you see that... I mean, that's the divine conspiracy, mm-hmm. right, in the sense that uh, Dallas talked about the conspiracy being on two levels. One is that conspiracy means with breath, like mm. spire, like, like I'm, right, um, I'm, and, and, but it's con, so it's with. So Dallas would say that, you know, the kingdom, God is, is so close to us, he has to whisper, mm. and we can hear him. Beautiful. So that's beautiful, and then followed by the idea that sort of we know conspiracy is like, no one else really sees it. So that's that, what was that uh, concealed, um, your, your phrase? Oh, missionaries Con- cleverly disguised? Clever disguised. Yeah, I said concealed, yeah. but disguised. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's part of the conspiracy and, well. and And, of course, it's a little bit of a joke, right? I mean, it's we don't want to be disguised, but it's sort of a little wink-wink there that we hope that in the midst of those trusting relationships and God's Spirit uses us that we're no longer disguised, right? That we're sort of open up to see, wow, this person has a higher vision than just cutting my hair mm-hmm. or delivering this, you know, round of bread to this yeah. restaurant or bakery. So, yeah, I mean, when that becomes fully realized that the kingdom can happen now and here in my zip code, in my truck, in my hair salon, in my uh, playroom, then we just are, are set into new trajectories of our journey with Jesus. Yeah. So it's really, too, I hate to be mean. I love the church. I'm passionate about the church. Uh, it's God's best design, and it's—I love it. 
So I think because I love it, I can be critical. But, you know, but first the kingdom, why, how did we miss it? You know, I think it was Peter Wagner that said he grew up in, in, in a church and never, never heard the word, the word kingdom in a sermon for mm. 40 years. So we're missing kingdom, but then we're also missing this idea of commissioning mm-hmm. people. I don't think the average church, a person goes to church and walks away ever th- thinking for a second that I'm, I'm sent it, as an accountant <clears throat> to live yeah. out this life. Well, and that's why in our gatherings, the benediction is so important. And some come from more liturgical backgrounds than I. We would call ourselves lowercase l liturgists in, <laughs> in terms of how we do our liturgy. But, um, you know, I, I would say in some denominations, the teaching, you know, very evangelical congregations, it would be much more of the teaching. Charismatics might say worship or prayer. And all those are important, you know, are more, you know, Anglican or, or whatever, they, you know, the communion element, the Eucharist. I think the church on mission, that the benediction may actually be one of the most, if not the most important things, because we've received and now we're being sent. And yeah. so we always say, would you stand and would you look at me and receive the benediction as you go? And it always starts out, brothers and sisters of, and then we say the name of our church, go, and as you go, dot, dot, dot. And then we end with God bless and bless God. Amen. Sometimes we actually have them turn around, not looking at us, but face the doors. Oh, just wow. as a visual to say, this is where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's so important to us. And, and some have described, I forget who it is, the church breathes in the people, like an inhale. Mm. And then when we leave, it's this big exhale of the spirit. Yeah. So inhale and then exhale into the week. And if Monday through Saturday isn't impacted beyond Sunday, then we need to probably think through how we're doing church and what kind of gospel we're communicating. Man, that is good. And I love that turning around because that's our, using our bodies. It's, mm-hmm. it's symbolic, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the four basic pillars of worship are entrance, how we come in, mm-hmm. the breathing in, and then, you know, proclamation and response, which is the, the scriptures and the sermon. And then in, our, in my church, we have Thanksgiving and, and Eucharist and then sending forth. Mm-hmm. The, 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 yeah, the dismissal is a big part of it. Yeah, and a lot of times it's just uh, we're done. Bye. Yeah. See ya. Have a good week. <laughs> yeah. I think we're called into something greater than to have a good week. Yeah, that's really that's really good stuff. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you'll join me next week for episode twenty-two. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith, and you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you are asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. <laughs>